Hi everyone, my name is Greg Knight and I like watching, thinking about, and talking about movies. One of the great things about starting your own podcast is that there are some days where you get to actually talk to the creators of those movies. Our series Under the Stole is where you can find those conversations. I've had the opportunity to interview award-winning directors, up-and-coming documentarians, and even a legit Abraham Lincoln historian. So if you are curious about the creative spirit and want to learn more about how artists are inspired to make their passion projects, check out Under the Stole right here on the Popping Collars feed. I'm Greg Knight. Hey, I'm Ryan Parker. And this is PCTV, a Poppin' College side project where we randomly select current TV show that you should be streaming right now. Ryan and I have each picked six shows from the top streaming apps. I don't need to list them anymore. You know what the top streaming apps are <laughs> in the world. This month, we are talking about the Hulu series, Dope Sick. I know most people don't think about us up there in the mountains many of my patients are miners it's dangerous work and they carry the burden of building this nation on their backs they're okay these people my people trusted me i can't believe how many of them are dead now we began looking at something that could be big oxycontin purdue pharma They've been marketing the drug as something that's not addictive when it clearly is. All your doctors are going to be asking, how is this even possible? Your most effective talking point are these magic words. Less than 1%. Less than 1%. Less than 1%. Less than 1%. They told me that less than 1% would become addicted. Foxycontin does what I think it can. We could soon become Purdue's first billion-dollar drug. Purdue continues to lie about the drug's safety to doctors, to patients, and the FDA. We have a major case here. Addiction rates, overdoses, and crime are on the rise across the country because of this drug. I think maybe the medicine might be just a tad more addictive than you said. I can't live like this anymore. Our community is ground zero for a national catastrophe. Purdue will not move unless we punch hard. This is not our fault. These people want to be addicted. I want top executives to feel some pain. It's crucial they understand we've created the greatest painkiller in the history of human civilization. I think I can make this the biggest drug in the world. Okay, so Dope Sick. I have a brief description of Dope Sick uh, here, Ryan. Let's go. All right, here we go. The series takes viewers to the epicenter of America's struggle with opioid addiction from the boardrooms of Purdue Pharma to a distressed Virginia mining community to the hallways of the DEA. The end. I kind of feel like that's one of the better um, log lines 
that you've read for us. Yeah, it it does. It does actually cover the show pretty accurately. It takes you. Yeah, it takes you through the basically through the development of Oxycontin, Oxycontin being sold in the early 2000s and then the repercussions of opioid addiction that we experience that we're still experiencing now. Yeah. And the great links that the DEA has to go to to mount a case and whether however you define that as successful or not. But how so you kind of find these communities caught in the middle of Purdue Pharma and the DEA. Right. And they're they're suffering in the middle of that. But we can we can say more about that. But in terms of of what this show is about, I we don't really need to say more. I mean, we could talk about some of the characters key characters from each of those settings but that's pretty much what this show is about yep well, let, let me start by asking why did you pick this show what was it about this show that stood out to you well i i think it is boiling it's simmering with rage in a very contained way i recently saw killers of the flower moon i would compare though i i think you could put that series in conversation with this uh with that film um, in the way that it's kind of a, a damning indictment of that part of American history um, and not too distant histories in both cases. But it felt to me like prophetic work. We know that there's an opioid crisis, but it just seems that our that the powers that be are content to let it rage. I don't know. This This show felt appropriately angry to me without being over the top with it i don't know it's just stuck with me i think it's some of the best television in the last you know four or five years yeah i would say you know it does it does a good job of doing kind of what something like the big short you know did as a movie there's probably more movies that do this too that i'm just not thinking of off the top of my head but they basically explain to you a complicated thing that happened in recent history that you probably saw in the news, but you didn't fully understand like what was going on. Anything Adam McKay does to your point. Yeah. 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 So like the big short was great for that. Right. Because it, you know, the housing crisis, I had a general sense of what it was, but I didn't quite understand like who was involved, where the money was going, like how it all played out. Right. And so having, you know, basically like a primer to kind of download all of that information was good. And Dopesick does that really well, too, by sort of jumping around from from through all of these different agencies, from like the local doctor to the DEA, to the Sackler family, to the sales reps. You see basically the entire operation of how this happened and how the crisis was made manifest in people's lives um for some people it was a crisis for some people it was very much not a crisis and so you got a chance to see who was affected and how and then what i but what i found more compelling is what you you briefly touched on which was the small town component of this and how that's really i mean this this epidemic it's an epidemic because it's everywhere but these small poor rural working class towns um and you have michael keaton 
big star who plays Dr. Samuel Phoenix, who just think of any like almost like a gas station medical clinic. Like mm-hmm. it's understaffed. They're, you know, they're they're pay they're overrun with patients. And this guy's doing all he can to do to get by. And he's at he's under the influence of these drug reps slash pushers. You know, he's he cares deeply about his constituents, right? The people in his community. If he, you get the sense from his, the way he carries himself that he could have practiced anywhere, but he's, he cares about the place that he's from and the, and the people there. And it makes his, his storyline even more tragic and even more redemptive. So have you noticed that there's a lot of this, like, yes, floating around Hollywood? Get, I'm going to tell you, we get pitched, um, we get pitched these are, are used to all the time we'd have folks because you know we where we work on the marketing and publicity side we're not we're no strangers to cause-based issue-based films and there was a time where like my god if we get another if somebody pitches us another opioid project mm-hmm. we're, like it and of course they're important you can't have too many but like you can if you're trying to make people pay attention to one you know yeah, so my exposure to it was last year's All the Beauty and the Bloodshed was probably the first Didn't one that I watched. Didn't we talk about that in the last podcast? I think I think I did. I think I I I think I said because I hadn't seen Dope Sick when we recorded the last podcast. And so I think I I think I was saying that my only exposure to it at that at that point was the documentary about Nan Golden, you know, the artist who dedicated herself to getting the Sackler name taken off of, you know, these uh, wings and museums and stuff like that. There's that movie. There's this show, Dope Sick. There's also, like, uh, Crime of the Century, I know, came out. Painkillers is on Netflix right now. Pain Hustlers. Pain Hustlers, yeah. There's there's another film that's lesser known. It's a PBS documentary that um, I... I... I believe I've seen this one. I'm I'm looking at some screen grabs here because I remember another documentary that is would be a phenomenal pairing with this series. But there's one called Seven Days, a film about the opioid crisis in Arkansas. I mean, the subtitle mm-hmm. is is not subtle. <laughs> the opioid opioid crisis in Arkansas, Seven Days. That's a that's a very powerful doc. And it's yeah. it's very much kind of just you're you're in a ride along essentially, you know, uh, with various people who are facing the uh, different ways that this crisis is impacting this community or communities across Arkansas. I wonder if it's a I wonder if it's a popular story. I was thinking uh, of your statement earlier. I wonder if it's a popular story because it, it has clear bad guys. You know, it's not it's not controversial. Like the Sacklers are straight up evil, right? And so you're able to you're able to say that in sort of a black and white way that doesn't sort of allow for nuance and stuff. Well, I think you're right. And I think also on top of that is it's something that everybody seemingly can relate to now, because at some point everybody has been touched by this. I mean, I I know that some of the largest, I mean, like not to get too personal, but I mean, I, I remember with, you know, my dad came from a family that battled addiction and when he was uh, living with cancer, uh, and his his pain management, the pain management component of his uh, of living with cancer, I mean, there was always this conscious like my mom was constantly like, 
how much medicine have you taken? Like, are you getting addicted to these opioids? And, you know, and at that point, it was just like, if it's helping him, he should just take it, right? Like, uh, that that's maybe a little bit different thing than some of what we see in dope sick. But I just think it's on everybody's mind because we we all know somebody or right. something yeah. has been impacted by it in a very profound way. Yeah, I mean, you know, certainly the community that I grew up in, you know, a doctor tells you to take a pill, you take the pill, you know, like well, not you don't, anymore. You don't question it. Not anymore. Not yeah. anymore. Because they may be giving us a vaccine that we can't trust. Right. Well, I'm yeah. Kidding. Well, I'm yeah. Kidding. No. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying, though. Yeah. You, especially in a small town, my God, growing up, you're like, right. well, yeah, see what Doc has to say. That's really where this show does a good job of showing doctors are as much victims of the system as the patients, right? They're just, they're just trying to treat illness in their communities as best they can and there mm-hmm. comes a miracle drug and they're like well it sounds legit you know and before they know it it's you know it's taken and over all and and to their you know in their defense all they can you know they're, they're not pharmacists to the and they're not drug developers in the sense of like i mean one of the things i think is so grotesque and effective about the series is the conversations around the time release component of, of this medication. Yeah. In the way and the, just you think, Oh no, they're not going to go higher. Like they're not going to do more. And they do. And just, you know, that they know, but, but then what you, what Michael Keaton's character gets is just what the rep tells him. And this guy doesn't have time to go do the proper research on that medication. Like he's got to see all these patients. And all of a sudden, he's delivering this highly addictive drug that he's being told, when taken appropriately, is not habit forming. I mean, right. it's 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 so like maddening to watch, and I think that's why also it's so good because it kind of makes you feel that way. I don't know if I have a hot take on it. Do you like what? What were you thinking? It's too long. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Everything's too long. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> the only thing that I would ding the show on and the reason that I, you know, I come in with that shot is that uh, act two just kind of feels like it's spinning a little bit. Yeah. Um, by the time you get to uh, the third act, everything's fine again. But yeah. it's just it's it's that it's those sort of middle episodes where you're like, OK, we're the story is really slowed down and it feels like we're covering a lot of the same ground in a few places. And it's like, I get it. Rosario Dawson is stymied. I get it. That's, you know, these guys aren't getting the evidence that they are, are getting overwhelmed by the evidence. You know, I get it. Sackler's putting out more and more pills. It's just kind of like there, there's probably a way if this were like a four episode miniseries or a six episode miniseries or just a three hour movie where you would clip some of those middle bits just to keep the story trying. Yeah, Rosario's character, you're right. I'm going to, that would be where I would agree with you the most. Like it felt a bit repetitive. Can we also just talk about the cast here? I'm Michael Keaton, Peter Sarsgaard, Will Poulter. I'm going to say some people in a minute, but then also like some smaller roles. Ray McKinnon. This is a great cast, which leads me to something I'm most excited to talk about, okay? Uh, a new segment on this show, Come For, Stay For. 
Yeah. People are going to come for Michael Keaton. And people are going to come for Peter Sarsgaard. These are recognizable names and faces. Uh But they're going to stay for, respectively, Caitlin Deaver and John Hugenacher, for example. It's just a couple. There's others. But what I do want to say is I think, for me, one of the reasons I like this show so much is I think Caitlin Deaver is a revelation. I think she is one of the most talented actresses working today. She plays uh, Betsy Malum, who is a Appalachian late teens, early twenties girl who goes to work in the mines with her dad, Ray McKinnon, and uh, has an injury and becomes addicted to oxy. But this woman is a damn chameleon. Like if you if you watch, I pick three of her movies, and they are three like radically different, equally compelling and believable. Uh, performances and I just thought for me she was the runaway you know I don't know if we're getting into like best scene or sequence or whatever but I would go ahead and say anything that she's in I'm like this this woman is a star that's why I wanted to talk about this show because I think she's so good and um, you know I think a lot I think Will Poulter's good I'm trying to think of where the first time I saw Caitlin Deaver was maybe like book smart or short term 12, maybe. Oh, well, probably. I mean, if you've seen that, then she's also in this new film on Hulu that got a lot of good buzz. No one will save you. Oh, yeah, that's right. She doesn't she say doesn't anything. Say she's, word in the entire. Yeah, film. she's mute through most yeah. of the movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I thought she was great. I, I got to tell you, there were most of the scenes with Caitlin Deaver that I really liked were in that first episode when she's down in the mine, when she's with her girlfriend, when she's, you know, just sort of living her life and getting that backstory and stuff. Yeah. Um, was really solid. After she gets addicted, it becomes a little bit, you know, where it's like she's just kind of stuck in that, you know, sort of desperation and stuff and it becomes honestly it becomes really hard yeah it becomes really hard to watch yeah it's brutal it's yeah Yeah. but the first episode where she's you know kind of figuring out how she's going to live her life and really compelling stuff yeah so did you catch anything well a couple of trout not worth uh keeping though and phoenix oh no he wasn't really interested in fishing. He seemed uh, more interested in talking about his friend's gay kid. Why would he do that? Don't know. Have to ask him, I guess. Sure made a big deal about it, though. Said how research shows people are born that way, so on and so forth. That's the uh, city boy sitting. He's been here for 40 years. Well, I guess he ain't a true believer then, is he? The worst thing that a a parent could hear is that their kid is um, queer or gay or lesbian or whatever they say now. That'd kill me if you were, Bets. That'd absolutely kill me. Well... I guess you're dead then. Um, I gotta tell you, I think I came for Michael Stuhlbarg in this movie. I, I you know, I'm a big fan, going all the way back to a serious man. Yep. 
And then, of course, like, Call Me By Your Name. I mean, he's just, he's always solid. Um, Always does something interesting, even if it's weird, like the Richard Sackler portrayal in this. Like, it's still interesting to see. It's like a not weird Nick Cage, you know? Like the thing, the thing that you would say about Nicolas Cage is that he always makes choices and sometimes the choices work. Most of the time they don't. Most of the times they just come off as just very odd, but the times where they do work, like you get something like pig, which is amazing. Right. And I feel like Michael Stuhlbarg is kind of in that vein. Like he's always making choices about his characters and how he's going to portray them. And they're going to be interesting. But, you know, he does Shape of Water, Fargo, Call Me By Your Name, all in the same year. Yeah. Or were, yeah. they were released in the same year, which, yeah. All I remember is, yeah, I was going to go see all the movies that were nominated for Oscars, and he was in, like, three of them. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> what is going on? Yeah, so I probably came for Michael Stuhlbarg. Uh, let's see. I probably stayed for, yeah, probably, like, the Ray McKinnon uh mayor winningham and if i had to pick like a yeah. best performance i'd probably go with mayor winningham from this who plays betsy's mom yep she uh just because i would probably pick her just because her arc is the most interesting of all the characters on the show like she starts in a very different she ends up in a very different place from where she starts and that is yeah, that's a really interesting move because she starts, you know, basically her daughter comes out to her and she ignores her. And by the end of the movie, she's participating in a performance art exhibit with Nan Golden. Right. And like those that's are two very different places. It makes it makes that character really interesting. And I think she does a great job. What would you go with for best performance? You sticking with Caitlin Deaver? Yeah, but also I'm going to say in a series a watch with great performances. I don't. I mean, I, I everybody kind of did good work. Uh, what is your best scene sequence, storyline, episode, anything like that? Well, I've already tipped. I mean, I think it, for me it was Caitlin Deaver's descent into hell and the constant struggle to get out i i i compared it to and it just in my mind when i was watching it zendaya's performance in um euphoria i don't know what it's like to live with somebody with addiction Mm -hmm. in that that way that intimately and i watched that feeling like okay maybe this is it like it felt just raw and again i can't say real because i don't know i don't have that personal experience but it felt it was it, it was moving to me and convincing and yeah so that's you know for me it was yeah for me it was a scene and it was the scene where the Purdue lawyer sits down with uh Richard and his dad and he explains to them how incorruptible the Virginia prosecutors are let me guess Mortimer's kids want more disbursements I've asked Stephen to join us because we have a very serious issue. This is John Brownlee, U.S. Attorney for the Western District of Virginia. 
I've taken care of West Virginia. Brownlee is the U.S. attorney that covers Appalachia. That's the region where that nun and that country doctor rejected your offer. I said it's taken care of. The FDA isn't going to respond to their petition. Well, this problem goes deeper than a petition. John Brownlee is former army, spent four years in the infantry, left the military to go to law school with the intention to be a prosecutor. His father is currently the secretary of the army. Now I'm telling you this because he has opened a secret grand jury into Purdue Pharma. Since when? We think maybe four or five months ago, but we're not exactly sure. Call the governor or a senator. They have no authority over a U.S. attorney. Now, these are the assistant U.S. attorneys running the case. Rick Mountcastle and Randy Ramsayer. Both men are top prosecutors and are driven by a strong sense of justice. Ramsayer, he referees local high school sports and has a deep connection to the region. Mountcastle used to prosecute mobsters and converted to Christianity at the age of 40. Why are you telling me all this? So that you understand they cannot be bought. They cannot be pushed off the case. They will not be seeking our employment when they leave office, like the U.S. attorney in Maine. And it is very likely that they will soon subpoena Purdue's internal documents to make a major case against us. The damage a U.S. attorney can do for a company like us is staggering. They can fine us to death. And they can bring criminal charges against individuals. You think that's possible? It's not possible. It's likely. These people in Africa. So, so much of this movie is built off of the Sacklers being able to buy their way out of trouble. Yeah. Having a lawyer sit down at a table and say, no, you really have to listen to me. These yeah. people believe in justice. They can't be bought. We can't offer them a job after this. Like they will not stop coming for us and yeah. they will probably bring criminal charges. That's... And it, it's just, it's so powerful and it just like I am a sucker for when people are willing to stand up for what they believe in in like movies, like regardless of, you know, personal cost and stuff like that. And when that scene hits, I'm just like, yes, there needs to be somebody that will stand up to that will have integrity and stand up to these guys. I just well, love it. Yeah. Guys. And I think about all it's that's so inspirational, too, because. It's also not showy and not flashy. Yeah, it's dramatized and whatever, but these are also Sarsgaard being recognizable a bit. Like they're both kind of every everyday guys, you know, the every man. They just got on these like ill-fitting, ugly suits and they just go to work. Yeah. And they just are tireless and they they don't accept defeat and they keep going. And now look, did they make uh, did they did, did anything come of what they did? You but know. that's also not the point. Like the point is the work, right? And they right. every day and they did it and it's a thankless job. And yeah, so there's something about their and their their quiet perseverance that it's it's good work. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like um people that stand up to tobacco companies or you know people that, like aaron brockovich is a perfect example yeah. of this yeah. you know it's like i'm gonna stand up for what's right even when it looks like it's gonna cost me everything it's it's inspiring it's great 
And I guess probably the reason that it stands out is because so many people just give in most of the time when they're faced with money and power and all of that stuff. And so or don't just give in, but actively pursue it. Right. Right. Well, right. we'll talk about that in theology corner. I think. Oh, let's go. <laughs> I believe Oxycontin could soon become Purdue's first billion dollar drug. Is that so? How soon? Less than three years. And to cross into this threshold, I think it necessary to make a key move. You will soon be releasing the 160 milligram tablet. Mort? Since sales are increasing at such a fast rate, wouldn't this be a good time to start distributing larger profits to A shares and B shares? Ah, uh, yes. Greedy little piggies want their money right away. Dad. And since you've sat on your ass and done nothing to make any of this happen, I completely understand why you feel so entitled that to it. That is an I demand outrageous an accusation. You'll get that, you you'll get that when hell freezes over. Please, please, please. I want to assure A shares and B shares there will soon be the largest profits this company has ever seen. But in order to get us across that finish line, I think it's time we rethink our leadership structure. How so? I believe if I were named president of Purdue, I could cut through any type of red tape or family dissension and create billions in profits every single year. But, of course, it would require a majority vote in both A shares and B shares. <laughs> oh, that's a good one, Richie. <laughs> that's really good. <laughs> so... Theology Corner. Here was the idea that I was thinking through, which is religion and which is religion and money. You know, we talk about religion and science as being like the, you know, this big one on one, but it's not. It's religion and money because money is always going to corrupt religion. And and it's funny because the sacred texts that we have all discuss this, right? Hebrew scriptures struggle with, you know, wealth and belief. Jesus is constantly talking about faith and money buddha recognizes that it's money that's going to keep him from nirvana you know it's like all of the like every religion understands the power that money has to corrupt the soul you're giving me chills <laughs> well yeah i don't want to interrupt you but i'm just i'm here for this and i 100 percent, dude i love it so much and i think it plays out so much in greed the pursuit of like a feeling of comfort of satisfaction of belonging of whatever you want to call it the sacklers don't have to be addicted to oxy because they've got money uh folks need to be addicted to oxy maybe they have pain maybe they're trying to escape something in their life they're they're addicted to drugs or alcohol this idea that there are things that fill us or give us meaning and a sense of purpose or whatever that's not necessarily money but for the Sacklers, it's money, and they can't ever have enough. They'll right. never have enough. They would rather see the entire world addicted to their poison than 
be satisfied. And I think you're exactly right. I think to me, one of the most compelling, and and that may be why the series resonated with me so much, although I hadn't put it into those words. I think why one of the best movies of the last 10 years has been Wolf of Wall Street. Yes. Yes. A profoundly theological film that people just don't see it. But yeah, threw his weight behind that film. And I think I I know it was maybe one of those where it's like he made that to make silence, but I think it resonates with his body of work. And I think it makes a perfect conversation partner with the series like this. And if you really take a look at his latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon, that's about the corruption of money, clearly. But it's also about the way in which the lust and desire for money and wealth corrupts uh, the Native American community the indigenous community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's that beautiful scene at the beginning where they bury the peace pipe and they lament that the ways of the future generations are not going to be the ways of their ancestors, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's a corrupting force, not only uh, within, you know, the white man who comes and is cheating them, you know, in um, in De Niro's character, who's che- essentially slowly cheating them out of their money, but it's also within the community. Right. They're they're buying into this vision of temporal and earthly wealth that, as you say, is is supremely corruptible. Anyway, I think that's why, you know, what what we're fighting against uh, or what people of faith are fighting against is that very thing is greed. I think it's what will destroy this planet. It's what will end our species right now. We don't have an effective or we need better marketing. Because it's not it's not the the conversation about, well, what's the alternative to that is I don't know. Yeah, because what the Sacklers are trying to sell you is basically like we'll cover up your pain with this with opium. Right. And and um, physical pain. We have to I think you have to put in a silo over here. Right. Like, yeah, some people have pain that needs to be addressed with medicine. But, yeah, I want to. Yeah, right. I I kind of want to come back to that point too yeah. because there there's a there's a bit of this show that kind of plays a little fast and loose with um the addiction element I think. But um what the what Purdue is trying to sell you is here's something to cover up, to mask what it is that you're feeling. And what religion is trying to do now religion has problems with this too because it's a corruptible institution just like everything else as we know you know from like uh our the roman the sins of the roman catholic church you know the caste system in india like all of this stuff is i just gemstones um, right yeah all this stuff is is horrible exploitation of people and their beliefs but what religion is trying to do at its core is to make you authentically yourself to be as honest a human being as possible and to recognize that living into your authenticity is a revelation about who god is right that's a perfect representation of what's happening in this film is that these people like caitlin deaver like michael keaton like all of the people that face addiction in the show, they can't be themselves because now they're carrying the weight of this, you know, thing that's attached itself to them in the in the name of making money, in the name of, you know, greed and profit. It is the goal of 
greed to mask human problems that need to be looked at and dealt with in honest ways. I'm trying to go back to a review I wrote about this. If you don't mind me just reading this. No, go for it. At times, it also feels like Dope Sick is attempting to say something about pain and our relationship to it. Purdue Pharma execs complain about being unable to launch Oxy in Germany. Quote, they, the Germans, believe suffering is a sign of healing. End quote. Yeah. Like, I, there's something about that, I think, that you're getting at, too. Like, physical pain is, is one thing. Like, right. chronic pain is one thing, and we need to acknowledge that and talk about that. And But, like, the idea that the the our woundedness and the pain that is associated with healing, whether that be grief at the loss of a loved one or a physical injury may have, I don't know. I've heard artists talk about recently taking and, and really, I guess this is only the person that does this can say this, but like I've heard artists talk about taking the most painful moments in their life and weaving them into the writing they've done or the music they've made. Addiction does the exact opposite of what connection does, right? Addiction tears apart. Tears apart friendships. Tears apart marriages. It'll tear apart a family. Tear apart a whole community. Part of the reason we relapse is because of pain. There's some kind of pain that's in a lot of us all of us we just don't want to feel anymore and further we fall into addiction pain says to us hell we'd be better off just feeling nothing at all so we go numb and our souls go numb now we've got a real problem. You know, pain is just pain. Not good, not bad. Just part of being a human being. And sometimes good can come out of it if we're brave enough and willing to go a little deeper, work our way through it, try to overcome it. Well, we just might find our better selves. I feel like there is a bad faith argument that you can make about this movie. Okay, so uh, I, movie. There I go. I said, uh, yeah, that's that tells you how I'm thinking about this show. <laughs> um, I think there's a bad faith argument that you can make about this series uh, where there are two times where it felt like it kind of stretched credulity a little bit. One okay. was when the, when John uh, Hugenacher's character is in the hospital and okay. they're like, okay, we're going to, he has like a surgery or something. They're like, oh, we're going to start you on uh, an opium uh, to ease the pain, you know, from the surgery. And he's like, no, I can't have it because it's addictive, blah, blah, blah. And then, um, what is it? It's a uh, Michael Keaton ends up in a car accident and uh, the doctor that he sees at the hospital afterwards prescribes him 
a dose of Oxycontin. And then we pick up with him later and he's in full addiction. And I have this feeling like, you know, the way that the show is presented, it it's almost like it's saying, if you ever take Oxycontin, you're that's going to be addicted. Yeah. Where that's, that's not true. Like that's, that's just empirically not true. Like yeah. some people are going to take it um take it in you know as it's as prescribed and they're going to be fine and the problem is that the people for those cases people that would argue against this and argue against legislation against the sacklers and argue against like lawsuits against the sacklers are going to say no you're blowing things out of proportion not everybody who takes this drug becomes a drug addict right yeah yeah and and, and the show does sort of lean into everybody that took the drug that we know as a character on the show ended up addicted. Kind of, to. Two things can be true, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It can I be, mean, I think that a, like nuance helps you make the argument that it really is a big problem. It's not, it's not a hundred percent problem the way that you've, the way that it's kind of portrayed but it yeah. is still a problem, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a fair, I, I hear that. Yep. There was another sequence that I loved in this, which was the harvesting of the opium. Did you remember that part from the show? In the, in the Ozarks or where do they go for that? I don't, I, I, I thought they were in China or something. I thought oh, they China. were like overseas, but yeah, it's like, you know, it's this, I, I just love it when like they, I mean, it's always like some dumb looking plant that's the source of like all these horrible things usually that we experience. Yeah. It's always it's always like something that looks so innocuous, right? It's these poppy fields that get dried out and then, you know, uh churned up in a harvest and so and and become like these things, you know. And I I did love the sequence where it was like, here is the root of all of the problems that we're having. And it's just this dried up field of poppies. Like, well, the, also the question is like, I always, we used to joke about this. Some you sit around and be like, what's the first person that right. ever realized there was some, some effect from like, who, who was desperate enough to be like, I'm going to go through all the steps to make this happen. And yeah. Like what other plants didn't make it and who died and <laughs> all these kinds of things. Like, uh yeah that's probably making too light of a s- situation no but. i i agree i'm i'm always I, I always wonder who was the first person to eat an oyster who who picked up an who oyster that hungry like, no i can eat that yeah who was like <laughs> milk, milk from a cow is okay i'm gonna stop there like <laughs> um okay what a what a weird we took a turn yeah Industry Corner. Let's get back on track. Industry Corner. Industry Corner. You know what? We've never we've never had a proper Hulu conversation. So it's time for a Hulu conversation. Well, well, Hulu has just become a catch-all for like Fox and yeah, it's cable. It's yeah. a cable channel. <laughs> yeah, you might as well have live Hulu with live TV and don't have anything else. Yeah. But you won't be able to afford anything else after you. <laughs> That's true. It's gotten expensive. Do you remember back in the day when Hulu first launched and it was like, 
hey, do you want to catch up on shows that you missed the day before? Was it like Parks and Rec? Could you watch stuff like that? Oh my that? god, yeah. That's how I watched 30 Rock. Because yeah. like I could never watch it, you know, when it was airing. So I just watched it on Hulu the day after. Now it's this mashup of all these different networks and studios and or is yeah, it really of all, of all the streamers, it feels the most like old school cable. Yeah, it's got shows from different networks. It's got kind of like it's got movies, but usually kind of like cast off movies, you know, that aren't on like HBO and stuff like that. Um, like a minus to B minus. Mo- I mean, and worse, but like or B plus maybe the best you get. Like, yeah. But then there was also, you know, uh, Palm Springs. Oh, I love Palm Springs. That movie's going to be every a cool now and then. Episode. There's like a really good title that hits and. I mean, they have good stuff. I mean, th- yeah. didn't that that Caitlin Deaver movie was on there, wasn't it? I'm sorry. Yeah, no one will save you. That's a Hulu. That's one of those releases you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I don't have it. I mean, I you know, I like Hulu. I mean, I I I did do the. I've dumbed down my Hulu service. I have ads now because I just refuse to keep paying more. When they ask me to pay more, I'm not going to do it. I just feel like Hulu got into the game at the perfect time. You know, it's like Netflix was Netflix was on the come up. Hulu was like right there. I feel like they were coming up like when I was in seminary, because I remember seeing a Hulu ad at the Super Bowl one year uh, when I was in seminary. I was like, holy crap, like how good is Hulu doing if they're able to get a Super Bowl ad? You know, and then and then after that, it was like it was it was over. They were one of the big streamers. I kind of have this feeling that Hulu is going to be fine. You know, we talk about there's a lot of these streaming services like Peacock. Disney Plus is struggling a little bit. Paramount Plus always kind of struggled. I I have a feeling like there's going to be some of these streamers that are going to have to uh, merge. Yeah, they're just gonna have to figure out like these companies are gonna have to figure out do we want to keep dumping money into these things and losing money on these things or do we want to just go back to the old way where netflix and hulu had everything yeah well and and i think that's where it ultimately end up you know well and the bundle was such a huge thing for hulu right like to be able to to be able to do disney plus espn plus live tv like Mm -hmm. with netflix that's all you get right you're not i mean and you can see now where netflix is trying to experiment with live sports but it's kind of second tier um amazon stepped into the live sports game but you know hulu having live tv and espn plus that's just such a huge value add for them that i think attracts folks yeah and what a weird what a weird crossover company right because you've got so fox is a partner with you nbc is a partner with you abc is a partner with you Disney owns Fox and ABC. Right. So there's that. One-stop shopping. Like old school cable. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> These prices, man, are they they're I mean, I'm not saying people talk about this all the time, but I mean they're mounting up. It's more than cable was. Oh yeah. They've they've nickeled and dimed us like way over cable at this point. Yep. We have Comcast down here. When I was in St. Louis, we had Charter. Charter, yep. When I was in California, did we have Spectrum? Yep. I can't remember. Anyway, all that is to say that whatever cable company you have, uh, I'm sure it sucks. My cable company sucks. 
Yeah. Wherever you live, I'm sure your cable company sucks. There's something about cable companies that they just, as a business, they all suck. And part of the reason is because they don't have to compete with anybody. (laughs) Sorry for any listeners that work for a cable company. You know, we love you, but. I mean, I love you, but your company sucks. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Go work for DirecTV or an app. No, I just think what a scam, man, that the FCC has perpetrated where these companies don't have to compete with each other. They basically just have a monopoly in their region. Yeah. And so and so basically you're you're over a barrel every time you try to negotiate with them because they're like, okay, well, where else are you gonna go? You know. It's like, it's YouTube okay. TV, great. Yeah. Hey, eight dollars a month. Yeah. But I still got to pay them for internet. So now they'll just up my internet, you know. No, I think, uh, you know, good for Hulu. I think that they, um, I I still miss the old days of Hulu. You know, I I feel like one of those, uh, one of those millennials that's like, I miss old Facebook, you know, or something like that. But uh, old Hulu was great. And I'm glad that they're still around. I hope they, I hope they survive the streaming wars. Yeah, same. Okay, Ryan, I'm going to spin this wheel. Do we have something to spin for? Are we not done for the season? We have finished all of our shows for 2023. What are we we spinning for? We're spinning for 2024. Now, will this wheel, will this spin be rigged? Probably. It's all your titles. I haven't (laughs) exactly before. So I feel like we might as well start with you then. So go ahead. It's your show. I'm going to solve. All right. Corno Curl Cabinet. Okay. Uh, the wheel has chosen my HBO Max show. Docker. Wow. Uh, which means that we're going to be watching The Righteous Gemstones. We're going to be watching... Danny McBride, maybe Billy, John Goodman, Walton Goggins, Walton Goggins. It'd be great if we could get Walton Goggins on this podcast. I'm one degree removed from him. It's probably a good thing that we don't have him because I would just ask justified questions all the time. I would just say only talk to us like Uncle <laughs> Baby Billy. <laughs> all right, it's time right. for some good old fashioned, good old down home. Mega uh, church exploitation religion, mammon, <laughs> money, hypocrisy. That's right. I was explaining the righteous gemstones to my mom the other day, and she was like, Oh, they make fun of church. And I'm like, No, they make fun of a type. people that exploit other people. Well, All right, righteous gemstones, everybody out there, thanks for listening putting up with us happy holidays i don't know when this is going to be released when are you this is like right before new year's so we've just gone through christmas i hope hope you're all in the midst of a fantastic holiday season (laughs) distracting from the impending doom we will see you in 2024 wow our, our next group of uh shows take care